Well, this is where we're at. We're at the stage where stress, tenseness, anger, happiness, emotional, emotion just all comes out. This is the playoffs. And if you're a fan, whether for either team, especially for tonight's game, the Phoenix Suns or the Clippers, you have to be feeling most of those emotions because there are going to be nerves, there's going to be anger, there's going to be excitement for either side of the team. Or even if you're rooting for the Bucks or Hawks, it's going to be that way. Well, welcome back in. This is CourtsHeatCourtsHeat.com. And today we have so much to discuss, so much to talk about. But as always, I am nervous because the Suns have a free-to-two lead. And I am like having this 50-50 confident mentality that the Suns can still win this thing. But we'll discuss about that later. But the only game tonight is the most important night in uh, about this about this week for the Suns because this could for either force a game seven or be another closeout win or another closeout game for the Suns. They need to win. We got all the breaking news from injuries to head coaching to playoffs. Injuries have been going up for two teams, and you're going to be surprised when you hear it and how long they're out, even if they do have a timetable. But as always, you guys can find us across the internet. Cordsahe.com is where you get all of the information, all the scoreboards, um, all the scores, uh, all the articles, all the updates, everything you need and more, just with a touch of your eye, uh, with just at the fingertip, um, at the touch of your fingertips. You can find us on twitter.com slash courts of heat, instagram.com slash courts of heat, tumblr.com slash courts heat, facebook, uh, uh, facebook.com slash courts of heat, youtube.com slash courts of heat, rumble.com slash courts of heat, and, um, dailymotion.com slash courts of heat, and everywhere else. Now, to make yourself and make your life a little more easier, just type in Quartz of Heat, one word, Quartz of Heat, to Google.com, and you'll be able to pull up our website, our social media, our Mercari store, our regular store, and everything like that. Or if you just want to go to our regular store, a fruit Mercari, just go to QuartzSiteHeat.store. You'll be able to find all of our products, top discounts, like them, get deals, and just get memorabilia that you'll love throughout this playoff season, um, throughout the off season, and so forth. So like I said in the opening, like in the opening part of this podcast episode, I described many emotions, and the playoffs are just that emotional and mental game. It really comes down to that. Meaning, I get there's our factors, but if you really do break it down... You have stress, you have a tense, you have excitement being like, oh boy, um, it's free two or it's free free. The stakes are high. We're starting out the series, right? It's game two, game one, some, something like that. Things are there. Different things are coming to your mind like, whoa, this is game seven and this is do or die. Whoa, this is game five and we could be eliminated. Whoa, this is game two and we need to win one out of our opponent's um, home court. So different emotions can arise. Different emotions can play a huge part into it. And that's what we're seeing here in this postseason. In the first series, second series, or now. Or even in if you think it's bad now, if you think it's bad now with all the emotion, wait until it gets to NBA Finals and you're really starting to go and you're like, whoa. This is a whole new atmosphere. I got to perform. I got to go out and I got a ball. It's pretty much. That's pretty, pretty much how it's going. That's how it's going to go. But first of all, before we jump into the games, as I'm excited for tonight's game, nerves for tonight's game, my dad. But before we get into that, I want to talk about everything that's been going on within the NBA like breaking news such as injuries, head coaches, things like that, because there's not that much breaking news left as we would in the regular season, but there's still a lot to be discussed. So the first one I want to talk about is Zach Collins, who plays who plays for the Portland Trailblazers, has refractured his foot. 
after having surgery, I don't know how many times, on his ankle, foot, different things like that, he's now finally refractured his foot, which is not good. He's going into this offseason as a restrictive free agent where the Trailblazers can try to resign him or just say, you know what, you're going to go into the market. I don't know how this affects. Zach Collins is a good basketball player, but injuries have just been killing him, especially now refractioning his foot. It's just yet another ankle surgery, and how much could that damage him, damage his mobility, damage the effectiveness? Look, going injuring the same foot, ankle, right, again, and having to get a surgery on again is going to be difficult. And when he's healthy, he plays 26 minutes, and he gets 7.6 rebounds. Problem is, this year he only played 11 games. So he came off a of surgery, he came off a of rehab, the refracture, and how much stress and tension has it put on your ankle, foot, right? Because that's going to be a lot because if you guys have no star already, your ankles get killed during your NBA career because you do everything on your feet. You do everything with your ankles when you're trying to cut, dribble, make moves, uh, rise up, land after a shot, right? Things are going to happen. So how much does this affect the 29-year-old? I'm sorry, 23-year-old. He's still young, yes, but injuries are now plaguing his career because he's not a bad basketball player, but he was only able to play 11 games in 2019 or this uh, Yeah, in this season, just in this season. So that's not good. So Portland has has a decision to make. Do they want to keep him? Do they want to move on from him? They can always try to match the offer some teams give him, but do they want him? And right now, the Portland Trailblazers have their own issue saying, well, what happens if we let go to 23-year-old? We're still dealing with Damian Lillard. What are we going to do CK McCollum? Carmelo Anthony is making headlines, but we don't know what to do with our team. And the thing is that I don't know what to do with this team. This team's just dysfunctioning from the top to the bottom, just becoming disformed. And it's not even funny because you could say, well, it was because of Terry Stotts. Well, Damian Lord liked Terry Stotts until he got fired. Then he wanted Jason Kidd. And then Porn Trailblazers were shocked that. Damian Lillard wanted Jason Kidd over their assistant head coach. And then they hired Chauncey Billups. Damian Lillard's having a little fuse. And many people, many experts are saying, look, Damian Lillard's not happy how this roster rebuild has been going, how his roster's been shaping out in the coaching search. So he's upset. So you could be losing your 12-year franchise player where you had him go with C.J. McCollum, Marcus Aldridge, Kamal uh, Anthony, all these different players. And that can be frustrating where you can't go and you just want to get a ring, where you just want to get a championship, and you can't make it past the second or even first round sometimes. But I think what we saw against the Nuggets, where he went off for 50-point games, 40-point games, Different games like that where he was having career nights, just like career moments, right? I think that's all he. I think that's all he could have given for this team because that's what he's been doing day in and day out. Because he is a superstar, and I think he's finally saying, you know what? No matter what I do for this team, no matter how many points they score, no matter how much of an impact I make. This team's not going anywhere, so I need to get out of here. I need to force a trade. I need a contract buyout. I need something. And while we do not have any more details on this, come this offseason, come after the um, NBA Finals, come after the draft or even before the draft, we could be seeing a whole new Portland Trailblazer roster. Well, well now... Something would be interesting to keep your mind on. Could the Warriors make a play for him? St. James Wiseman, the draft pick for Damian Lord, etc., right?
I don't know. Uh, that's just an idea. I just saw that now, right? I don't know if that would be feasible to do. If that would be fine for both teams so they don't kill each other. But that James Wiseman will work on the Portland Trailblazers. Him and McCollum and Carmelo, depending where his status is at in the NBA right now. If he wants to continue or whatnot. With Portland, I don't know what his contract is. But I do know that imagine Damian Lillard on the Warriors with Curry, if he does intend to resign his two hundred million plus uh contract over the next five years. Not saying he will or won't, I just don't know, but most likely he he will. But you have Curry, Draymond, Clay when he's healthy, after going down out for two years about or a little over two years. Andrew Wiggins and Damian Lillard. Imagine that. That wouldn't be bad, especially for that shooting team. Because James Wiseman, as I knew it on yesterday's podcast episode, that James Wiseman's never fit with the Warriors. And if you guys have not checked out that podcast episode, that's where I go full in depth. That's where I break it down. And that's where you guys need to start to get the full picture of what I'm talking about now. Or could the Warriors just stay with Pascal Siakam? But imagine what the Trailblazers can do with that seventh uh, overall, a seventh pick in the draft. Imagine what they could do with Wiseman. Imagine of what they can do going forward. Imagine what Chauncey can do to, but if Chauncey Billups can do with Wiseman. I don't know. That's just a consideration. That's just like a thought that came in my mind. But moving on. Um, also yesterday, Penny Hardaway and another, uh, assistant head coach or coach was there for the front running position for the Orlando Magic head coaching job. However, Penny Hardaway has pulled his name from Orlando's job and has said to continue to coach at Memphis University, University of Memphis. And he was already locked into a contract, so he'll keep honoring his contract. Um, Not going to turn pro yet. Going to keep it at the University of Memphis and just keep grinding there, keep coaching there. So now that actually just leaves. Now um, actually just leaves a few other names, right? So now you just have Kenny and you have Terry Stotts. And I'm I'm not surprised Penny Hardaway pulled his name. I didn't think he was going to go, but of course he was going to be mentioned in all of these and be scouted and interviewed and different things like that. But, yep, Penny Hardaway pulled his name from the Orlando job, and he's just continued coaching at the University of Memphis, which is not bad, which is not bad. And his contract should be up like in 2022, 2023, something about that. Because I think it's like a five-year contract. Don't quote me on that, but it was an extensive contract. It was a long, it was more of a long-term contract. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, not to go off topic of that, but I just looked down in my notes of what I was going to talk about for the breaking news. And whether you're a Hawks or Bucks fan... Or even a Clippers fan, but you guys should already know this. This is depressing. To a some certain certain extent. But let's start with the obvious. Clippers fans, um We already know Kawhi Leonard's out, right? It was announced on the answer report that Kawhi Leonard's out for game six, while Ivan Zubak is still questionable. Questionable with that knee injury. With that if, if we don't know if Zubak's going to be playing, we know Kawhi's out. So this is do or die for the Clippers. This is their hunger moment. But Zubak. Zubak could be out. We don't know. He is questionable. He did not play last game due to his injury. And if he does miss tonight, that does mean he's going to be out for his second game in a row. And they're going to put Terrence Mann in again. If that is the line they're going to continue with, or they're going to try to spice things up, but most likely Terrence Mann, like it did the prior game to this. Okay, next one. We have Clint Compella is going to be reevaluated today 
after taking an elbow to the eye by, oh, I had the guy's name, by someone, I believe it was Hill, on the Bucks team, but it was someone on the Bucks team who hit him inadvertently, accidentally in the eye with an elbow. But, however, the Hawks are optimistic that he's still able to play in Game 5 and he should be available with no problem. So, the optimistic side is still there. Uh, uh, they're hoping and it's going to look like he's going to be able to play tomorrow. But, no one has made that confirmed. But, optimism is pretty much showing that he is going to be playing through what the organization said and just people around them. Now, for the more crushing news for Bucks and Hawks, right? because I was trying to save this, working our way up to the more crushing, almost soul, um, almost soul problem, maybe would be a good word. I don't know, but this is that Trey Young did not play game four due to ankle injury. We already know that, but it's unknown if he's going to be playing for game five. Remember, he has that bone bruise, I believe, in his left foot when he accidentally stepped on the ref's foot and he hurt his ankle. It could be shown as a sprained ankle or a bone bruise. But most people are going with bone bruise, so it is a bone bruise in his left uh, foot. So right now, I don't know if he's questionable. I don't know if he's out. We're still being evaluated. He's still rehabbing that injury right so right now his current timetable is unknown and if i get anything else on that i'll post it on social media i'll I'll post it on our site because this is important but the hawks did benefit from it surprisingly and i'll talk about that in the next upcoming segment right but yeah so trey young did not play game four but he's unknown for game five but this could be good for the Hawks, but everyone's crushed. Giannis, where the Bucks were not having their way last night. Giannis hyperextended his knee. Hyperextended his left knee against the Atlanta Hawks last night. And he was not able to return to that game. So he exited. He exited um, game four with that injury. And while... Anthony Davis played through a hyperextended knee in game three against the Phoenix Suns in the first round. Could that be the same case for Giannis? For the Bucks? could he play for that injury as they're heading back to Milwaukee? I don't know. Right now, since that happened last night, we have no timetable. But that is important to talk about because... Now this does even the playing field because no Trey Hunt, no Trey Young, and now no Giannis for the time being. And hyperextended knees can be a huge issue, especially for him because he does all the high flying, all the jumping. He just does everything that's physical. That's his build. He's a physical. He's a physical player, and his physicality is what makes him Giannis and just dunking it. Time after time after time. But that's something interesting. And I'm just going to jump right to it. Because that was the end of the breaking news segment. Like I said, it was not that much. It was only 18 minutes. If that. But let's talk about Hawks Bucks. The Hawks got their revenge. Before I go into the injuries of it. I just want to discuss the game. Because this is... An important topic to talk about. The Bucks lost by 22 points. By 22 points. That is, that, that's crazy. But the Hawks gave them their punch. They tied the series two apiece. Going into game five. Giannis, like we said, only got 14 points. But Giannis is injured. Holiday only got 19 points. Middleton got 16. But you ready for some names you were never going to think of? Lou Williams. Lou Williams, the 15-year-old veteran. I'm sorry, the 15-year veteran. Formerly from the Clippers, before getting shipped off to Atlanta, was looking like he was going to 
retire like he just could not do it anymore. It, it was just more defensive guy. It's really all he could do now. He he played 35 minutes, which he has not done in a while because his past two games combined for 20, um, 20, get to about 31 minutes. So his past two games combined for 31 minutes. And in one game, he just played 35. And he shot 7-9 for 21 points and 8 assists and 5 boards. How incredible was that? He rose up and he met expectations. Then, of course, like we were discussing, Bo, uh, Boganovich got 20. But here's something surprising that many people were not expecting, including myself, was Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish got 12 points, 5 of 9, 23 minutes and 5 boards and 2, pa- two passing assists. Cam Reddish has been off and on with injuries and whatnot. He was only able to play 26 games this season. But he was able to come back good enough, healthy enough to play in that lineup to get 12 points to help the team where it was needed. Reich's last time he played was June 25th, four four days ago, prior to the June 29th game against Milwaukee. We was only able to score 11 on 5 of 10, 4 of 10. So, for him to do that, so two names for the Hawks were very rare to see, right? But they showed up huge, especially the 35-year-old Williams, right? But what does this mean for the Hawks? Will they be able to get back Trey Young? They're going down to Milwaukee. If I'm the Hawks, I have to be fortunate that Giannis went down because I don't know what could have happened that game. And I get it even with Giannis on um in on the court, right? For Milwaukee, they were still getting blown out. That game was gonna be going to Atlanta regardless because after the first half, they just looked defeating. And then in the third quarter, they just put the icing on the top. In uh, fourth quarter, they just they put the pressure, but then they just kind of want to slow down, get their bearings back and everything like that. But this is huge for the Hawks. Because in yesterday's podcast episode, I was talking about the Hawks, how they need to win, how the Bucks need to lose. Because you can't go down three to one because Mike Budenholzer and his team would fall right into that. But now, what would this mean for the winner of the Suns Clippers in the Western Conference Finals? How would it shape up the Eastern Conference Finals? Because do they want to play an injured Bucks team? Because will the Bucks be helpless without Giannis? How much can Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday actually work without him, without the ultimate piece that the Bucks have had for a very long time. But also, what's going to happen with Trey Young? Because Trey Young's been a very important piece to this offense, a very important piece to this team that is very costly and very damaging. But if they were able to rise up, with all these shooters, with all these playmakers, with all these defenders, and say, you know what? Okay, we don't have Trey Young, but we can attack in different ways. And Herter rose up with 15. Capel rose up with 15 and 7. Williams rose up with 21. Bodanovich rose up with 20. Reddish with 12. Gallinari with 10. And, um, and Oye Okondu. I know, I just botched his name, but the rookie... Um, the rookie had seven points at 15 minutes. I'm just saying. They have the scores. They have the playmakers. They have the defenders. They have the specialists on that team. I'm just saying. The Bucks don't have that. So without Giannis, they're kind of limited because now it comes down to Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday's not going to be that player that's going to be able to rise up like Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton had game winners and game tires throughout this entire postseason. When Giannis was cold, Chris Middleton sometimes iced the Brooklyn Nets. When Giannis was cold, Chris Middleton was feeding into the Celtics and just beating them with everything he had. 
That's who Chris Milton is. Chris Milton will give you his best. Chris Milton will always rise to the occasion. Because prior to, before this game, um, yesterday, in their win to go up 2-1, to one, he scored 38. And sure, he could be inconsistent. But sometimes if you look at it, you can go like, oh, he scored 16 last night. And then two days ago, 38. And then on July, on, on June 25th, only 15. It just depends how he's shooting. And that can be inconsistent. I'm not saying he's going to be, he's going to be getting more consistent as the game goes on. But when you're only taking 13 shots in comparison to 26, that's a difference. But you could, you could tell by the stat sheet, by his statistics, that he's inconsistent. But he's getting more consistent when you need him. He's there. Especially against that Brooklyn series. There was only time, there was only one time in that Brooklyn series, or I'm sorry, two times in that Brooklyn series, when he was below 20. And that was game one and game three. That's just, that's just, that. I'm just saying. You had two times. And if I am the box, I have to be very fortunate that you still have those two other pieces. But the impact is real. Real. The severity of that injury could be devastating. But here's the thing. It's only a hyperextended knee. And you may be saying to yourself, what kind of lunatic am I just to say that's just a hyperextended knee? But Anthony Davis had more injuries than Giannis. Like their his trainer on the on the Los Angeles Lakers killed his body from groin injuries to eye injuries to leg injuries to whatever injury you could think of. He had, he had, but he, but in that game free win against the Suns in the first series and and for the first round, they the Lakers won. And Anthony Davis marched through with a hyperextended knee. So it's not impossible, but for Giannis, is that going to be improbable? Meaning, how much of an effect will he have on the team if he can't rise to the occasion? Is he just sucking up minutes? Is he just sucking up the shots that could be taken by other healthy players? And... That was what I was kind of leaning into with Trey Young last night. Like, what if what happens if Trey Young goes and plays and he can't rise up, or if he's just taking needless shots because he's trying to help the team, but in, but in fact he's reversing it and actually hurting the team. Those are valid questions, and I don't know. Some people are saying the hyperextended knee is going to cost him the season. Doctors are saying it's going to cost them a season. Nothing has been confirmed. Nothing is official. But you have to wonder to yourself, is he going to miss this series? Let's say the Hawks are missing Trey Young for the next game. What happens if Giannis, if they say, you know what, Giannis can't come back this series. And we're going to trade like Kawhi Leonard injury with the knee. Two separate injuries that we know of that's being reported. But the consequence, the outcome can still be the same. To be like, well, he's not going to play tonight. Giannis is not going to play tonight. We'll see. He's questionable. No, he's out. No, no, he's out indefinitely. So if you're gonna rip it, if you're gonna rip off the painful bandaid, you have to do it now, because when you get that information, you have to release it to say this is what we're dealing with. We have to be blunt with it because everyone knows Giannis is not going to be up to a hundred percent. Especially now if only a day off and back on. The only time you can consider the Bucks getting a rest is if they win in six. If they win in six, you have a few days off. And that could be a great time for Giannis to recover. But here's the thing. I don't think the Hawks are going to give up in six. I don't think they're going to drop two straight games. So you could be going to a game seven quite quickly, quite quickly, right? I don't believe this is going to end in six for either team. I believe it's going to be a hard fought game seven, like the Brooklyn and Milwaukee series. That's going to come down to the final wire. That's going to come down to the final shot. Not how Kevin Durant choked the final shot. I'm just saying how it's going to come down to a final shot. Come down to the final wire where that proves who you are and how good you actually are 
and cut situations. Here's the thing. I'm just going to be blunt. I'm not going to talk about how the teams can win um, their upcoming game. I'm going to talk about that tomorrow when that game actually matters. When that day actually matters. I'm just going to be blunt. If Giannis is out, if Giannis is out, expect this Bucks team to fail more than usual. Because Chris Milton can rise. But it's only one man. Can Drew Holiday do that? And I don't know. Drew's iffy sometimes. Drew's inconsistent a lot of times. And who's going to step up? Who's going to make that play? Who's going to be that leader without Giannis? Who's going to make sure that no one's going sideways? That this team's going to be like, boom, 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 boom. Just knocking on the door of the land of Hawks. Barging in. Charging. Getting things done. Getting in and out. Making smooth transitions to the basket. Getting the gritty gutty rebounds and plays done. Getting good shots off. Keeping a consistent flow. Making sure the floor spaced. Making sure that the pick and roll the pick and roll's good for them. I'm just saying, those small things matter. And momentum can change. Impact can change on every single possession, on every single game, right? And I may be talking out of my mind, but here right now, I'm focused on the injuries, and the Bucks have a bigger deal than Trey Young's injury. Because if Giannis can't go, the Bucks have a problem. If Trey Young can't go, the Hawks just proved they can beat out a, um, a beating down Bucks team with a first half with Giannis, but in the second half without him, right? And they had different shooters. And I'm not saying Lou Williams. Lou Williams is going to be getting 21 points every single night or even five points every single night. I'm just saying what I saw. That team locked it in. Bogdanovich can get 15 to 20 points every game. So can Kevin Herter. John Collins had a very off night of only four points. He was two of eight. He's not going to do that again. He's going to become more consistent. The game before that, when, when they lost, he was six of eight. Now, he only takes like eight to ten shots per game, but still... He was still consistent on the rebounds. He was still impactful. He was still in the positive way of rebounding. And sometimes you just need those players to do that. Sometimes you need those big men, those um, more taller men, to be getting in there, getting boards. That's okay. Just let Bogdanovich, let Williams, let Herder, let somebody get in, the, get in there, just get down there and do it. Cook Capelli even got 15 points. He was 6-7, one of the best games he's played in this series, in my opinion. But but that's what I've been saying all the time. Clint Capella has been an underrated player in this league. You can't take him lightly because that's how he gets you. That's how he gets in the paint. That's how he eases you down, but it strikes like a, uh, like a viper, like a snake. But it comes down to injuries, and for being blunt... The Bucks are more in fear of Giannis' injury than the Hawks are of Trey Young's injury. Because Hawks can play without Trey Young temporarily, not permanently, where the Bucks can't play temporarily nor permanently. So it's like, whoa, what's happening? And this is just gonna be a world effect. And we're gonna see something scary happen. And I'm not even kidding. Okay, um, Stress. I just want to say how much I hate Patrick Beverly. I want to tell you how much I hate Paul George. And this is not personal. This is just in the game of basketball. Because if no one's watched a single minute or even a single game of the Sun series, I've watched every single game or seen moments from every single game of any Sun series. This entire postseason. But this series is getting my blood boiling. Because I hate Patrick Beverly. He's just a very good defender. Credit to that man for getting in the head of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and whoever else. That backcourt's failing because you just see Patrick Beverly. Don't put his hands behind his back. 
doing those mental games, marking Chris Paul, making slight gestures, playing a hard defense, lockdown defense. He's a great defender. He's the type of guy that will never forget the values of defense, the values of psychological warfare. I may sound stupid to everyone now, but he's doing it. And credit to him. On the other hand, for Paul George, Paul George is just a whiny baby that got lucky on a, on a few games. He just whines about everything. And I'm okay if you have some calls you want to be reversed or made. But come on, not after every single stupid play. Not after every single stupid possession. Like, I'm not kidding. Doesn't get called to go. He acts like a brawn. Just more wimpy. I- I'm not kidding. Like, just, he, he, his team should be called L- the Los Angeles Floppers. Because all they do is flop. Like, that's just how he gets Like, when he's in a sticky situation, flop. Draws a foul. And that's all he does. He pretends to get hit in the face and just falls on the ground. It's anno- it's annoying and it's not funny. It's not cute. It's not strategic. It's just, it's just, it's just dumb. But that's not what I want to talk about. Patrick Beverly is too great of a defender to take him lightly anymore. If we did, I never took him lightly. I took him lightly as an offensive player, but not as a defensive player. He's a terrific defender. I'll never get him confused for Paul George. Right? I'm never going to get him confused with Kyle Lowry. Not confused with Devin Booker. Because Kyle Lowry, I'm um, sorry, Patrick Beverly's just too significant as a defensive player. He's just that good. And everybody should be noticing that. But what the Suns need to do now for tonight is to say, okay, free bad games of shooting. Somebody's got to rise up. I don't care if Jay Crowder hitting freeze all game. I don't care if Mikel Bridges is getting all the shots. I don't care if we need to do whatever. I don't care if we need campaign to go off in our game. But you know what the problem was? When the backcourt's not good, they take more shots. Quit shooting the free point ball. Funny thing is, all these legendary teams, I didn't, I didn't see... The great Lakers, the great Bulls, the great Spurs, the great Heat take so many free pointers. Meaning, I get it when you're down, but when you're when you're closing in, you have to drive. You have to create your own shots in the paint perimeter. Wing shots are important. Just taking that mid range jumper, getting those crafty shots, not the always having to take free pointers. Because we've been cold from the three-point line. We don't need to be taking all of those shots. We have to play more strategic. And it's frustrating because we just we just think that the three-point is always going to be that way. We made incredible runs when we drove inside the paint. We were getting fouls called our way. It's just frustrating because we could be playing so much better. But the problem is, you ready? We can't. And I know what's holding us back. You ready? It's because no one passes to DeAndre Ayton. Tell me the last time. They actually willfully pass to DeAndre Ayton. When DeAndre Ayton gets the ball, he scores majority of the time. I'm not saying he's going to be perfect like he's this golden goose. But right now... DeAndre Ayn is a significant piece because last game when he was not being fed the ball and he did not get many chances, only nine shots, five and nine. That's not bad, right? He's still hitting a little over 50% of his shots. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you're not feeding the big man the ball, his performance, his impact goes down. And when his impact goes down, his performance goes down, that hurts your team because in every single game, we could have been swept, but we weren't because Andre Ain always showed up. Post-game one, DeAndre Ain always showed up in the clutch, in the crunch, always had something to say and always something to do. 
He always had some sort of impact defensively or offensively. And we should be beating this team without Ivan Zubak. Unless he plays tonight, right? But even then, we just need to be more consistent in our shots. And I, I don't know what else to say. But if I'm, if I'm the Suns, I have to be saying we need Chris Paul to play really well. We need him to get started. We need him to be unconscious. We need him to be the point guard that we knew he was. We need him to be the player that gets to start because he's our point guard. He's the guy that made us who we are this season with the help from Monty Williams. It's not hard. When he gets started, when he gets off to a good run, it trickles down. That gets Devin Booker activated. That gets DeAndre Ayn in the flow. That gets Mikel Bridges, Jay Crowder. And then that helps campaign feel it. That helps campaign feel a lot because... The guy's a his guy's a okay good point guard. He's a great point uh, backup point guard. But when when but when Chris Paul's not feeling it, there's no longer the sense of urgency for the point guard, and that does not help campaign. And as weird as that may sound, as weird as it may sound, there there holds a lot of truth because when campaign's feeling it. His, uh, the second unit's feeling it. When Chris Paul feels it, the first unit feels it. I don't care what anybody says. The point guard has always been needed, has always been specialized, has always been an impactful player from the time the league has started up until now. Nothing has fundamentally changed. The point guard always sets the tone on the team, right? Because he's the one... The point guard's the one that sets the tone, that sets the pace, that can get good transition buckets, that can pass it, that can take it, that can be court vision, that can have awareness, that can get their shooting guard involved, which would be Devin Booker. We can get our power forwards going, our centers going, which would be DeAndre Aiden and Jay Crowder. We can get Mikel Bridges to go. I'm not. I'm not saying that we need to be running everything through the point guard to the entry aim, but the point guard is a significant, significant piece to any team. It just is. It just is. Especially for this team, we need a big man and we need the point guard because when the point guard and the center are playing well, with the help from the shooting guard and then the power forward or forward. We are fine. We rise up. We dominate. We control the pace. We control the tone back. We take, we take our opponents wherever we want, saying, okay, go over there. We know what we want over there. We draw them over here. We go in. We close in defenses when we do that. We close in offenses. We make teams collapse because we can either get a few runs or we can just strategically position ourselves in a spot to where we can rise up to succeed higher than what we did the uh, last game or even when we won two games ago. But this is the Clippers are going to go an all-out assault saying we have to give it. We've every we've nothing to lose and everything to gain because we don't have Kawhi Leonard and Zubak is injured, and Marcus Morris has been off and on. We only have one good of our one half of our superstar uh, duo, but but they proven themselves. They got to this point two and zero down two and zero every single series this postseason, and they're battling back. They're battling back, and the Suns have to say, "Okay, Chris Paul." You have to play more consistent. You have to bring that energy. Because if Chris Paul brings that energy, brings the intensity, brings the focus, the hustle, the grind, the momentum, the motivation, the want to win and make shots and create shots, get good passes without making any turnovers, that's going to affect the whole team. That's going to bring more positive energy into things. That's going to bring more of a focused, concentrated mental state. Because... Patrick Beverly is going to be a nightmare. He is going to bring 
mental games like we never even saw before. He's going to be one of the best lockdown defenders of this game tonight. Paul George, he's not dropping 40, but he's still going to have an impact on that team. Zubak or Maine, whoever plays that center position, they're going to have that spot. And I will, I will, I, I, I will freak out. If we have Devin Booker on Marcus Morris again, because Marcus Morris is not a talented player, but for whatever reason, he was able to score a quick 15 or 20 on Devin Booker. Size and matchups did not fit. They had the upper hand when Morris was feeling it over Booker. Not again. Not going to happen. I don't like that matchup. It was a bad matchup for us, and they had the victory. But put Jay Crowder on Morris. Put Jay Crowder on Morris. Put Chris Paul with Patrick Beverly. Put Devin Booker with Paul with Paul George. Put him. Sure, the heights can be different. Sure, Devin Booker's not a great defender as his teammates. Sure, he has defensive falls. But just match it up by height and skill. Not by position. Because... Jay Crowder will make you work for those shots as he did against Marcus Morris when he was on him. And you have to have more level of communication. And I swear, I will freak out if we go back into isolation. If we go back in those isotype plays, move the ball. Like, move the ball. I've never seen such a standstill team. Even the Clippers were doing that, but you saw but you saw Devin Booker there staying at the top of the key. No one was moving. Dick DeAndre was walking back and forth for a little bit, but no one was moving when Chris Paul or Devin Booker had the ball. They were all just right there, and that creates that that creates a really good chance of no shots being made and everything for the defense to be credited for. But what do I mean by that? I mean that when you're just staying around, the defense doesn't have to move. They could be locked in. They can see what the point guard or the shooting guard, whoever has that ball right there, bring on the top of the key or wing or whatever, be like, okay, no one's moving. We can just keep our defense here positioned. And when he tries to make a move, we just go trap him, isolate back to that player, try to pull back down man-to-man or, or free two or whatever, right? We could do whatever we want. We go into coverage. We could do whatever we want. But if we pass it, if we pass enough time to get good ball movement circulating through, uh, through the court, through the arena, we're going to exploit all of our weaknesses. We're going to exploit every flaw that that def- defense has with or without Kawhi or Zubak. I'm not kidding. Here's the thing. I, I don't know about you guys, but the way I've always known the game of basketball is through ball movement. And I'm not saying do fancy dribbles to try to break angles. No. I mean, like, actually passing the ball to your teammates, getting good plays set, getting good possessions out of each play that you take, getting good rebounds, getting good movement and passing. I, I don't know about anybody else, but... But when you're young and you're being taught like movement drills, passing drills, fundamental drills, that's just fundamentals. That's just the basics. And I don't care if anybody by saying that, but if the Suns don't want to start moving, they're going to keep shooting like they did the past three games. And their backcourt's horrible, the frontcourt's horrible, both units are horrible. And this is just like, wow, what are we doing? We're not this type of team. So the Suns need to rise up. The Suns need to dominate early. They need to go like on a 5, 10, heck, even 20 run, 20 point run in the first half. At some point, they need to be up by double digits. Not to be comfortable, not to be satisfied, but still have that desperation and fear. Because the, the Clippers were down. In game four against us, when we won, we won again game four to 80, but we were up by as much as 16, and they just kept slashing it, slashing it, slashing it. At one point, getting it down to two, but even though they never had the lead, 
They still made us uncomfortable. They made us more stressed. They made us uh, uh, flustered or uh, whatever that word is. They made us more panicking. Right? We can't have that. We got to be in a calm state of mind, in a controlled state of mind, in a controlled atmosphere. We're not going to be at home like we had last game when we lost. We're going to be in L.A. And I'm not scared to be in L.A. because we won in L.A. against the Clippers and the Lakers, correct? But I'm I'm worried that we're not going to be on our element. That we're going to be out, all out of sorts. And we can't have that. We got to attack first. We have to strike hard with no mercy. That's what we have to do. And it may sound silly and all, but we just have to go hard. Chris Paul's got to show. Chris Paul has to set that tone. Dallas Buggers have to set that tone. Bench players, role players, any player has to set that tone. Sarjic has to set that tone, and he's just not throwing up that ball carelessly because he doesn't care anymore. He did that a lot. He did that a lot last game, especially in his shots that he took. It's just it's fr- it's frustrating at some point, but it, yeah, it has to start with Chris Paul. It has to go to Devin Booker. Has to go to DeAndre. If we don't pass more DeAndre and DeAndre is not being more aggressive. And bringing the physicality, the energy, the intensity, we are hosed. And I don't want to see us going to a Game 7 back here. Because I never want to fall back on us having a Game 7. Because what, what would that be? That would be win or go home and we'll be out of chances. And I don't want to be the team that lost to the Clippers. I don't want to do that. I don't want to. And I'm hoping not. I'm hoping that we can get the win. And I'm confident, but not extremely confident, but borderline confident to like 85% that we can win this game. If we're going numerical here, it's giving numerical percentages. Here's the saying. We got to bring the fire. We got to bring the intensity. We got to bring the pressure. We got to bring lockdown offense and defense and just be who we were this entire season. Be the Phoenix Suns when we beat the uh, Lakers in six games. Nuggets in four games. We we face tougher opponents. And against this injury-ridden team, they're bringing the fight more than we are. And we need to close that tonight and reevaluate our team after this series if we get the win. But that is, that is all I have for today's podcast episode. I hit all the points I wanted to make. I can't talk anymore about the Phoenix Suns or Clippers because I've been doing that yesterday and today because, yeah. So that's that's all I have. I already said everything. I already said everything that needs to happen. It needs to be defined. It needs to happen. We need to create action, not reaction. You always want to be having action and not reaction because you don't want to be reacting. You need to create that action. You need to capitalize it capitalize on that and i'm not kidding but that is all i have tonight at six o'clock on espn we'll be playing los angeles the suns will have two more shots but if we get this to a game seven things could be looking more desperate for us as we know the severity of game six as both teams are fighting for something but the clippers are fighting off elimination while wow, the Phoenix Suns are trying to fight off another bad game. If we have a fourth game in a row that's bad, we will not have anything left for game seven. I'm just telling you now, but we'll see how they play tonight. Not getting ahead of myself. We'll see. I'll see you guys tomorrow morning. I'll see you guys tomorrow morning sometime posting this. You know where to find the SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, YouTube, Rumble, Daily Motion. We have it all. And we'll see you guys on the next podcast episode. Well, rally the valley because the Suns are dooming it tonight in glorious battle.